0: Welcome
1: back to the MarTech Podcast. Today, we're going to continue our conversation about a powerful but often misunderstood channel of marketing affiliates. Joining us is Robert Glazer, who's the founder and CEO of Acceleration Partners, which is an award-winning global affiliate marketing agency delivering performance-based customer acquisition and partnership programs for the world's leading brands. Through their performance partnership program management framework, Acceleration Partners helps their clients create transparent, high-value programs that bring more customers, incremental sales, and faster growth. Yesterday, Robert walked us through his view on how and when to launch an affiliate program, and today we're going to discuss the technology and analytics behind driving risk-mitigated scale through affiliates. Okay, here's the second part of our interview with Robert Glazer, the founder and CEO of Acceleration Partners. Robert, welcome back to the Martech podcast.
2: Thanks, Ben. Good to be back.
1: Great to have you here. Let's jump right in. Yesterday, we talked about some of the misconceptions about affiliates. We walked through the different stages of affiliates programs. Phase one, just high volume paying for conversions. Phase two, people were paying for incremental value and starting to streamline their affiliate programs. And then phase three, the industry is really moving towards a SaaS model where people are bringing their affiliates programs in-house more often. I want to talk a little bit more about the technology and analytics behind mitigating risk through affiliates. As we are in phase three of the affiliate program, where people are starting to build in-house or use SaaS technology, talk to me a little bit about how those technologies work and what people who are launching an affiliate programs should look for and expect.
2: One of the things they should do is they should talk to their vendors about some of those enabling technologies. There's a lot more integration of fraud technology. And if you work with a network, they have network quality teams. And then the independent platforms are opening and the SaaS platforms are using more of like a partnership API approach, kind of like a WordPress or Shopify, where they're letting third-party tools and tech plug into their platform so people can add it. I think it's important to note that there's really two types of fraud. There's kind of hard fraud, which is fake leads or inappropriately cookie stuffing or that sort of stuff. Then there's just sort of low quality or attribution fraud where people are trying to show up at the end of the transaction. They're trying to do some of that Gen 1 stuff. So a lot of times people conflate them, but I think you need to look at them separately And certain models have certain elements of risk too. So lead models have a lot more hard fraud. So when you set up a model where you're paying $100 for a lead, people will set up call centers, they'll try to generate leads, they'll do all kinds of stuff. So there's a bunch of third-party technologies out there, but companies need to build really careful models to look at the lead quality. When you're talking about revenue share, you don't have as much hard fraud because there's not a lot of people buying fake products. (laughs) because they have to own them and then trying to return them to get an affiliate commission, that tends to be more low value partners and attribution fraud.
1: Okay. So there's a couple different flavors of fraud and those generally tend to lead towards different models, whether you're looking for leads or whether you're actually trying to drive sales. It sounds like a lot of what needs to be considered when you're looking at the analytics of an affiliate program is picking what model fits your business. So you have to make the decision whether you're compensating somebody for a lead or whether you're compensating someone for a transaction. Are there any other models that are out there? For example, what about content businesses that are just trying to drive traffic to their site? Or I'll throw it out there, I run a podcast business, right? Can I use affiliates to drive people to subscribe to my podcast? What about the content model as well?
2: Yeah, so I'll give you the last example first. And that you can't, if the cart is iTunes, then you can only drive people through the Apple affiliate program. So you would need to control the cart to have them be someone that you had paid. But I think what you said before is true and is interesting. It depends on what you're looking for. The technology is good enough these days. We have retailers come to us and they say, this is our attribution model. We prefer first click or last click or multi-touch. So then we design the commission structure in that way. And then we go and explain to the partners that that is the behavior that you're looking for. For example, everyone's into influencers, but if you look at influencers on a last-click basis, it's never going to do that well. The other thing I would say about fraud and a lot of this stuff, you should pay close attention to your partners, particularly when they're starting and how they're performing out of the gate and things that just blip up out of nowhere. So what we often say is that like, when we see something that looks irregular or one of our managers... We might not know how the person cheated, but we're pretty sure that they cheated. And then we use the tools and some of the technology to figure out how. If you're looking at your affiliate program and you see someone with no referring URLs who goes from $100 in sales a week to 10,000 overnight, chances are there's something not good about that. And you can ask them and they'll give you an answer. And then when they can't answer, you can get into some of the deeper data and look at the clickstream and maybe look at some of the app fraud and fingerprinting tools to see if you can figure out what it is. But I always say that... The The best first defense against any of these things is having active management in your program, who knows the partners, who knows what they do, who knows them by name, again, more of that business development flavor. And people are either usually good or bad. They don't switch from being good to then evil overnight in your program.
1: I remember at eBay there was somebody who was one of the primary drivers of the fraud case and there was you know millions of dollars of revenue that were being attributed to this and his performance metrics looked totally out of sorts with the rest of the affiliate community And from what I remember, nobody could figure out how he was cheating, but everybody knew that this was a fraudulent account. I'm not exactly sure what ended up happening to him, but understanding what your normal conversion metrics is and then seeing which affiliates are doing things that seem like an anomaly is a good way to understand who's cheating. And that's exactly what you're talking about is just having some active management.
2: Yeah. And this is where the partnership and transparency concept comes into place that I talked about earlier, which is I know Ben and I've been working with Ben for two years and I give Ben a call and I say, what happened yesterday? I don't dig into this world of sub affiliates and redirects where like I literally have no idea who I'm working with.
1: Yeah. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex, ready to take your team from I think to I know That's actually one of the biggest questions that I have is, great, so you set up an affiliate program, whether you're using a network or whether you're bringing it in-house yourself, how are you attracting affiliates?
2: Yeah, I mean, we've built kind of a biz dev functionality. We have technology that looks at people that rank in certain areas. We look at patterns of people that we work with before in similar verticals it's really built up like a business development and recruiting function in which we reach out to people who we know already perform in the space, but we bring new people into the space. Like let's say we have a small business site and they are interested in small business decision making. So we may reach out to a site and say, Hey, we know we see you're doing this advertising, but we have this well-known brand and they're willing to pay you a hundred dollars for every new website sign up. Are you interested in kind of joining our affiliate or partner program? So there's a spectrum that happens from reaching out to someone, it would be different. You could say, hey, I see you're already an affiliate on the Commission Junction network. Our program's already on Commission Junction. You could join that to, hey, here's what an affiliate program looks like and how we'd like you to work with us. And if you've been in space long enough, you know how to look at the links on their site, see if they're using affiliate, get a sense of which side of the spectrum that they're on.
1: Okay, so that's really one of the things that Acceleration Partners does is you're basically recruiting and selecting who would be a high-quality affiliate for the companies that are your customers.
2: Correct. It's recruiting and then optimizing and building campaigns for them on an ongoing basis.
1: Okay, so the other big question I have for you is you mentioned multi-touch attribution. And the idea of influencers are driving top of funnel activity, but aren't necessarily the last click before someone converts, right? They're introducing a brand to a product or a service. How are companies putting together multi-touch attribution models? And what's the school of thought behind not using last click attribution? How do you figure out how much credit to assign to an affiliate? Is that on an ad hoc basis or is there a rule of thumb there?
2: It really depends. We go by the model that the company has built for itself and then try to align the affiliate program to it. So let's say it's a daily deal site. They're really going to value last in because whatever someone was looking at last week is not the same thing as today. And let's say it's a site that has a really personalized product function, they're really going to put more value on top of funnel. So we can't make that up for the company. We have to sit down with the company and say, do you have an attribution model? How do your teams look at this? How can we get the affiliate program to support that attribution model in the best way so that you end up, again, we're not looking at quote unquote affiliate revenue, but we're looking at revenue that scores really well across your system and model.
1: It's one of the most complicated parts of marketing to me is understanding how much credit you should give to each step of the funnel. And something that I've struggled with, you know, with consulting clients and some of my own brands is, hey, if I drive a site visit to the martechpodcast.com website, but the person doesn't click, doesn't listen to an episode, but they're now in my retargeting funnel, how much should I pay for that? Right. And that's always a hard thing to determine.
2: If you could answer that, you and I wouldn't be here. You'd be retired on a beach. There is no answer, and it is half art, half science. I think we actually have more data than we have thinking or action around this in terms of companies have plenty of data on this. It's just assuming that there are multiple channels that support and trying to really look a little bit qualitatively and empirically and see which ones matter more and test some things. Sometimes you can, if you heard of eBay who did this, I talked to Robert Chatwani about this. I mean, you could hypothesize whether your paid search is, is incremental or you could just turn it off for a week and <laughs> hit the nuclear button, which Robert had a great story about doing this with eBay when he was in a whole debate over Google and they wouldn't help test incrementality. He's like, I'm just gonna shut it off for a week and we'll see what we learn. So the elimination diet's a great way to test attribution if you're willing to suffer some short-term pain.
1: Unless you're hungry. Yeah, So talk to me about some of the ways that you're approaching driving scale. Let's say someone has an affiliate program that's established, they're working with a few hand-selected affiliates, and they're starting to see good ROI through the program. What are some of the ways that you're scaling affiliate programs without bringing on incremental risk?
2: Yeah, the biggest one now is geographically. So with these global platforms, we're finding that a lot of brands are expanding much faster across the globe. They're growing quicker and we're helping them expand to new regions and geographies and saying, oh, well, if these types of partners really work in the U.S., then there's a similar batch in the U.K. that should work in If you have a store over there, we should get the program running up. And what's nice is they can do this on a single global platform, which is something they couldn't do 10 years ago. You would have been dealing with multiple regional platforms and different agencies. So that's a big focus for us. The large percentage of our clients are adding new regions and languages and geographies each month. And I think that's really one of the best ways to scale in what's an increasingly global world.
1: So in our last episode, we talked about when to start using an affiliate program, when it might make sense for you. And basically, once your business model is set, working with a couple of hand-selected affiliates can be a nice way to test the model, build some scale, and you can make the decision whether you're going to use a network to attract some affiliates or you're going to bring it in-house. Give me a little bit of the sales pitch here for Acceleration Partners. As you're thinking about scale or as you're establishing your affiliate program, Why would somebody use an agency as opposed to try to manage this themselves?
2: They could definitely manage it themselves. I'll tell you, as the largest employer of affiliate managers, I think, in the U.S., we have a hard time getting people. And we have a whole training program. And there's just not a lot of tenured, experienced affiliate people in the U.S., So we like... Actually, we love working with in-house managers. Often our clients can't even find the manager. So if you could build a team like the guys at Fanatics or parts of eBay, you can build a team that has like... If you're a big brand, two or three experienced affiliate people and you can get them in your region, then that's great. If not, you might need to partner with someone that has that. Also, we're training on all those platforms. We buy lots of recruiting tools and software. And we have a lot of investments in the space that we can amortize uh, across multiple programs that a lot of programs would have problem getting budget for independently. and We know where the affiliates live. Being an affiliate manager in a company means you talk to people outside the company all day long. It's kind of like outside sales. So we like the resources in-house who help with the company angle. If their job inside the company is to know all these people outside the company and to learn all these technologies that aren't core to the company, it just may not be a core competency.
1: So it sounds like the biggest resource constraint for people that are building an affiliate management program is experience managing an affiliate program. And that's one of the reasons to go to an agency that it's not necessarily the network or the service provider. It's experience figuring out who to attract, how to manage those relationships, and then how to scale them.
2: Yeah. And also we are independent. So we can tell you which platform or networks are the right choice or where we've had problems or where you can do better in pricing. I guarantee if you go to the sales team at any of these platforms, they will all tell you that they are the best solution for everything. And that's probably not true. And we have no vested interest in you picking any of those things. Like our job is to help build the right program for that brand.
1: Okay. Robert, I appreciate you coming on the show and telling us about the affiliates program, how it's changed and how business owners can leverage it and when they should.
2: Great. Thanks so much, Ben. And just to share for everyone, if you go to performance-partnerships, you can download the first chapter of the book for free. And we also have a mini version of the book for free if you want to learn more about Gen 1, Gen 2, Gen 3, and where it's going.
1: All right. Thanks, Robert. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks again to Robert Glazer, the founder and CEO of Acceleration Partners, for joining us. If you'd like to contact Robert, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile through our show notes. You could send him a tweet at Robert underscore Glazer, R-O-B-E-R-T underscore G-L-A-Z-E-R. Or you can visit his personal website, robertglazer.com, or his company website, AccelerationPartners, with an S.com. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, don't worry about it. We've got you covered. Just head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for all of our guests. And if you're a subscriber to the Martech podcast, thank you for being a member of our community. We always want to hear from you. So we created benjshap.com slash question, where you can send us your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. My handle is Benj on LinkedIn and on Twitter. It's B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we've got some great episodes lined up for you for the rest of the week. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. Okay, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy.